This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what's going on, everyone? Episode 181, Moranalytics Podcast. And as you could tell, I'm sure within the first few seconds of this audio, I'm not in the home studio in Florida. I am at macy's place pizzeria chicktawaga my man marcel louis jacques from espn.com is with me dude third time on the show by the way glad to meet you in person for the first time i've had you on twice but it's been a phone conversation so it was good to finally meet you in person that's i had to do a little prerequisite you know we both had to had to meet the had to, had to meet the laws to to meet each other first man make sure it's worth it but no nah, man it's always a it's always a good time man i'm glad to be here I, we just i mean we housed what I probably saw a little 23, 24 yeah. wings here in like a five, 10 minute span, man. That was a, uh, should have set a timer. I got to tell you, man, before we talk about anything else, obviously we'll have a conversation about the bills. Talk a little bit about this city that you now call home that I've called home for 45 years, Buffalo, New York. Before that though, we got to talk about Macy's place pizzeria. So two of these were yours. We got three different types of wings. Two of them were your suggestions. One of them were mine. I got Cajun medium. You got, what did you? We got hot lemon pepper, a hot lemon pepper, and then we got the the hot honey mustard. That's a that's a personal favorite of mine. I saw you know I saw a few purists on on Twitter talking about the oh, they're saucy, they're too much sauce. Man, they can't be. I don't know about too much sauce, man. If <laughs> if it's dripping a little bit, shake it off and eat the thing, man. Like we're let's let's not get overboard here. We're ignoring some pretty powerful flavor here because of some sauce. Some sauce prejudice, but uh, no, nah, these are these are elite. I'm going to make this proclamation right now, and I'm not saying this uh, lightly. These might be the best wings in Western New York. All around wings in Western New York. Now, the argument could be some people will only have medium or hot wings. That's your traditional buffalo wing. So if you judge it purely on that, I would still say 911 Tavern to me is unmatched when it comes to just your typical regular buffalo chicken wing. But in terms of flavors, in terms of size of the wings, in terms of price, in terms of customer service, in terms of that whole experience, these wings might be the best in all of Western New York. I've had, if you include these three, I think I've had maybe five or six different flavors right now, and I've never had a wing here that I didn't enjoy. They're great. See, and I I trust your opinion because you've been to – 75 whatever the number actually is different places around here my number's a little lower you know i'm still i'm still getting used to this i'm still learning what makes a good wing what doesn't but uh man you can't hide flavor you can't hide money and you can't hide flavor and this stuff is just 
Uh, I, I, I think I showed you when we first when they first sat him down. It's it starts with the box, man. Like yeah. it, it's not even with the with the wing itself. It starts with the box. They cut the little hole on top of the styrofoam. Your wings are never soggy. They're never you know too wet. They, they don't lose that flavor if you got to bring them home. They're still crisp, and it's just it's powerful, man. Like you, uh, you kind of you just got to experience it. You know, you got to experience it if you've never been to Macy's place. Like these are the best wings I have personally had here. And that includes, you know, Barbill. I've been to Elmo's. I've done Duff's, which weren't that hot. They right. weren't as hot as, as the world was trying to convince me. Including me. Yeah. Like everybody was like, don't, oh, don't get the media. I'm hot. Don't get the hot. I was, like, the I, one. I was right. guilty, but they're, 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 they had a little, they had a little kick. They had a little kick. I can see if you eat like 20 of them, I can see how, all right, this will add up. I need some milk, but, just you know, if you're splitting a little double order, nah, it's not so hot. We were talking before we started taping. One thing that we both like about a place like Macy's is that they they seem like the type of place that you could root for in terms of success. This isn't some big franchise. They don't have commercials all over the air on radio and TV. This is li- quite literally a place that is growing by word of mouth. You know what I'm saying? People like myself, you. Nate Gary, I've heard many people on Twitter advocating for this place, and it's just kind of like a been a progression. Now, the one thing I'll say, as we're sitting here, for everyone listening, we probably sat here for a good half hour before we decided <laughs> we can't wait it out anymore and start taping. I kind of underestimated the amount of people that are coming in here on us. And by the way, we're taping this later Sunday night around 8, 9 o'clock. There's still a line of people coming in here to get places. In fact, they had to stop taking new orders because it's been so busy. So they might, this is a tiny place. They might be outgrowing themselves in the not too distant future. But this is the type of what I'm saying is this. This is the type of place that's easy to root for. It's kind of like that mom and pop place. And I'm sure you enjoy these kind of places. It's too. like a, it's it's like a, if you know, you know, kind of kind of yeah. spot. And, and you know, it sounds weird since I've only been here. What is it? December. So five months. Jeez, yeah. it's only been five. Months. I feel like I've been here two years already, but <laughs> I'm still, you know, new to the area. So, uh, but yeah, it's very much if you if you know, you you know, you you, you follow the food accounts on on social media, you, you follow them themselves. That Instagram page is about as close to not safe for work for a food page as it gets, man. Like, or not not safe for hunger. No, not safe for hunger, man. If you haven't eaten, don't go to that page just yet, man. Right. Do yourself a favor. <laughs> uh, don't don't torture yourself. But uh, no, it's just uh, you you kind of love to see it, man. Like it's the I don't want to say hole in the wall, but like you pull up you, if you don't see the sign out front that says Macy's Place, you know you're not gonna believe that you're at a joint you're not going to believe you're at this place yeah like you go in no frills no nonsense you pick up your order you you if you got time there's a little counter space but usually you know pick up get out and uh you know like i i don't need any of the extra the frills you got some online ordering to make it convenient too so that's about as modern as it gets but uh you just kind of you appreciate the the simplicity of of it in a nutshell. Now the the wings, the flavors are anything but simple, man. Right? Like, they're anything but. I mean, you see the pizzas online, the uh, the 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 wake and bakes with the waffle fries and and jalapeno and curly fries on there. Got a burrata cheese and prosciutto with the hot honey drizzle. Like <laughs> these are nuts, man. These right. are nuts. But uh, you just like you said, easy to root for. Uh, definitely easy to keep coming back to. And it's about a twenty minute drive. Uh, you know, forty minute round trip for me. And it's worth every single second. I consider this place, we were talking about this as well a short time ago, a destination place for wings. To me, there's a handful of places in Western New York that are worth a drive. 
Now, there's dozens of places that are very good wings. Like, for an example, if you live near Orchard Park, there's probably three or four places right in your neighborhood that you can continue to go to, and they're good wings. But if you live in Clarence, you probably ain't driving a half hour to go off of these wings. These wings, to me, are one of the few places that are worth that 20 to 30-minute driving. Case in point, by the way, so I asked you what kind of wings you were going to get down with, and when you said the hot honey mustard, I, I'm going to be honest with you, dude, I don't like mustard, and... I'm not too crazy about honey. So I was kind of skeptical when I looked at them. I'm like, well, these kind of look pretty good, man. And then I ended up having one and I loved them. They are they are the best. I think, you know, the barbel, what is it? The the hot hot honey Cajun or something like yeah. that. Or honey, I don't remember exactly what it was. People listening, they know what I'm talking about. But uh those were my favorite that I've ever had. Yeah. Until I took my first bite of these hot honey mustard. And it was just, it was over from there. Now, if you don't like sauce, then yeah, you might have a, you know, you, right. you, you might feel some kind of way about it. You're gonna, like I said, just shake a little bit of it off, shake off right. the excess. It ain't going to kill you. Right. It's not going to kill you. It'll make you stronger. I'd rather have more sauce and not enough sauce. Exactly. Like, because it's easy to, you know, shape, like you said, you can shake off remove. a little if they're too saucy. I don't want an under seasoned wing. Like, <laughs> under, under seasoned meat is, is like, actually, that's not true. Under seasoned meat is better than over seasoned meat. But uh, sauce is removable. Are you surprised now you've been in Buffalo for a handful of months that people are as, I want to, I don't know if passion is the right word. People take their wings serious in Buffalo. I'm sure you heard about Buffalo wings before you got here, but are you a little bit surprised at how many people are so quick to offer you advice? I'm sure when you first started out on Twitter, moving after Buffalo, you're asking about, you know, some good spots to go to and trying out spots of your own. But like everyone has an opinion about chicken wings if you live in Buffalo. I kind of learned this. With my podcast, I would be talking Bills and Sabres, and I'm like, well, nobody really gives a shit what I got to say about the Bills or the Sabres. But if I start talking about wings, it's like everybody has their opinion on something when it comes to wings. Are you a little bit surprised by how passionate people are when it comes to wings in Buffalo? I mean, like you would you would think that the city took its wings seriously just based on reputation. Sure. But they're the little things, man. Like I said, the the sauce versus not sauce, extra crispy versus not uh Wing or drums versus uh, drums versus flats, yeah. uh, blue cheese versus. Well, I don't even know if ranch is considered an option out here. So more like blue cheese or no sauce and no dipping sauce at all. Right. Like there's just so many little preferences here, but uh, and then everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a favorite spot, but uh, you kind of just you got to feel it out on your own. You know what I mean? It's because sometimes the the big spots like. Uh, I've been to I've been to Gabe's Gate now four times. Mm-hmm. Like I have tried and tried and tried, and I just it doesn't do it for me. Nah. And but like you can walk down the street and somebody's gonna swear on their mother's life that Gabe's Gate are the best wings in the country. So like it, it, you just kind of it's like anywhere else with a bunch of options. Like there's something for everybody, but it's a pretty high, uh, it, it's a high bar up here. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it, it's it's a high high standard up here for for their wings. You've been here now. The first time I talked to you, you literally just got the job at ESPN. Second time I talked to you was right before the season started. Obviously, you've been very busy covering the Buffalo Bills this season. It's been a fun season, and we'll spend some time talking about that in a few minutes. But in terms of Buffalo right now, you're getting used to the city. I mean, it's going to take you probably a couple of years to really settle in to the culture and the life. But over the first handful of months that you've been here, how have you adjusted to the city? Obviously, now it's um, winter time and you were born and raised in California. You covered the Panthers last year, and now you're in Buffalo. So in terms of weather alone, I'm sure that's kind of like a culture shock to you. But how's the adjustment been going for you over the last handful of months or so? You know, the beauty of uh, beauty of football season 
is that uh, it kind of gives you, as a reporter, it kind of gives you an excuse to to not do anything else. Like I'm, <laughs> I put so much time into the Bills and into what this season is happening that I don't do a whole lot outside of work and just kind of it's it's a weird hours your your weekends are usually pretty spoken for i'm either i'm traveling or out of town or i'm so tired that and it's so rare that i get a full day at home that i just don't want to i don't want to go but you know there's certain things you get used to the right i don't know if i got used to the cold but i have i have come to understand how cold it can be here yeah Uh, i don't want to hear the i can hear people saying it already oh this ain't nothing there's nothing yet. It's not bad yet. Like it's been bad to me personally so <laughs> far. Like a couple times, it, it has been cold, cold. But uh, you know, I figured it out. I got a, I got myself a, a good jacket. I learned how to layer up. Got me some. Uh, I got good socks. You know, everywhere I go, got some thick or, or wool socks. <laughs> right. Uh, bought a pair of boots. Uh, the thing about the boots for me was like I didn't want to commit to these calf high snow boots every time there's a little little moisture on the ground right condensation but uh (laughs) i found these uh i found like boots that could almost double as as sneakers and that was like my prized find of this cold season i know it's not winter yet so we're gonna call it cold season and uh i wear those i wear those a ton uh i got a good brush and everything it's like a brush squeegee ice pick (laughs) combo the head is adjustable so it goes to push broom uh it extends and like it's great learn the lesson keep it in the trunk not the back seat because uh when the snow piles on your car and you open up the door and it's windy all of that crap just gets blown right on in. the car yeah that was a one time that's like touching the <laughs> stove that was a okay yeah it makes sense <laughs> type of lesson i think one thing that uh people who lived in buffalo their whole life they don't get it is like now i've been in florida for a couple of years my blood is thinned out now you were born and raised in california you have thinner blood. And when you come up north, that cold feels cold. Now, I, you said people are probably rolling their eyes when they're listening to you talking about being the cold. I agree with you 100% because now that I've been in Florida a couple of years, again, I come back up to Buffalo. This is like short weather to some people out here. It was like, what, 42 degrees out or something like that today. I'm so, I mean, I'm not freezing cold, but it's so cold to me. And the funny thing is, so the bad things like bad, good, hot, cold, that's all subjective. Like, I guarantee you, like we can go, we can go experience some some ninety five degree weather out out west, and some people here are gonna melt. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, ah, oh, man, I might, I'll still wear jeans. Yeah, it's not that's it's okay out yeah. here, uh, but um, it's just, I think the funny thing is, like, I'm actually becoming used to the cold, but not so cold days. So like, um, coming back from, I think it was. It was either Dallas or, or Miami, somewhere where it was a lot warmer than than home. And uh, I was worried because I was like, oh, man, like I, I didn't really bring a big enough. I didn't bring a big jacket. That walk to the car is going to be like a real pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, I guess like maybe I can Uber to the preferred lot or something like that. I could just like, but how cold is it actually? And I go look and it was like 36, 37. And my first thought, I kid you not, was, oh, that's not that bad. I was, and like I just stopped myself because it's like man four years ago 37 I'm staying inside like 33 I'm not going out I'm not playing around 30 degrees it's like ah you know I was I'm good I got a bomber jacket I got gloves somewhere I'll be all right last week I was in Walmart down in Florida and it was like I don't know 47 48 degrees out now this time of year in Florida it's very busy because of snowbird season everyone comes down to the south for the winter and 
it's empty in the place. Not empty, but it was very slow there. And I, I noticed it because usually there's lines all over the place. And I asked what was going on. And the woman said, everyone is staying in the house tonight because it's too cold to be outside. And it's like in the 40s. I'm like, man, you don't, don't even know what it's like to be in Buffalo. Now, in fairness here, you're in the early part. And like you said, this isn't even winter yet. This is cold season. It's, I think, is it the... Is it the first day? Of, the first day of winter is the twenty first of September, of December, right? Yeah, this is so airing, it's officially winter. All right, now. there you go. This is now a winter. We're in podcast. winter. Yeah, this is, this a, is a winter. winter. <laughs> this is a winter podcast now. But you have again. You're staying busy. You're covering the bills, and Christmas is coming right now. The holidays are here, so I think this is the smooth part. I'm, I'm not trying to scare you or anything, but you are <laughs> going to get into January. The season's going to be over. Hopefully, not till much later in January. But season's going to be over. It's going to be persistently cold, mid-January, February, mid-February. That's when it's the worst, man. That's when you're starting to think about spring. You're starting to think about putting away the winter gear, and you can't do it for a couple more months. That's the part I think about living in Buffalo. The only thing that I don't miss about living in Buffalo is, is that time of year, late January to maybe March, which is really cold all the time. Yeah, and I know I've got some, I got some plans, though. Um, I'll, be going to, I'll be going to the Senior Bowl at the end of January. Okay. Uh, which is a month that should feature probably a trip to to Houston, but uh, we'll see when that when the time comes. Uh, so that's leaving the mud or leaving the the cold, leaving the state. I uh, got a vacation, a warm weather vacation uh, planned for for February. So we're out of here then. Uh, my sister's wedding is during the off scene as well. So I, I'm making my little making my rounds and getting <laughs> yeah. my getting my little reprieves from the from the cold. But uh, no, somebody was telling me today that yeah, that's the that's the trying times when you don't have that distraction of, uh, you know, okay, well, like I'm, it's, we're in week nine and this is week 10, 11. Like it's too busy right now for me to be fretting that much about, you know, the cold preventing you from doing whatever you want to do. And, uh, so I can definitely, I can wait. I can wait for the daily 10 degree snow and wind and ice type of deals in mid-february i'm not necessarily looking forward to it but like like i said when i think i said when i first got here man like millions of people deal with this every year and i'm not that special so i think i could figure it out too <laughs> now aside from being reasonably cold and being busy covering a team and constantly searching for good chicken wings like what else for, in terms of the city man getting used just being in the city how's city life been for you what are some of like the similarities and some of the biggest differences between say living here Covering, you were in Charlotte last year with the Panthers. Again, growing up in LA, what have you found to be things that are like most similar to back home? And obviously, besides weather, most different. Uh, and I mean, it, it might end up being a weather thing, but Charlotte, especially South End Charlotte, where I was, right, right south of of, of Uptown, it's a uh, it's a very, I guess, active and outdoor city. There's always a ton of people walking up and down the. The rail trail, they had like a whole trail alongside the the uh, like the light rail system. Mm -hmm. So there's always people out there. There's always people running, a bunch of dogs. There's just like a lot going on when you come outside. And here, it, it's not quite like that. Um, it, not to say people don't run or, or or go outside here, but it's just it's kind of a little, it's just a different type of vibe. But what I do love it, it's like these picture perfect movie scene type neighborhoods where. The streets just go on and on, and then there's trees just lining either side of it. I love the little houses. Like I like how every house seems unique. You know what I mean? Like every house is is, is different. It's not just this cookie cutter uh, 
uh, sub development right. type deal. Like yeah. it, it, it's got character here, and I think that's that's Buffalo as a whole. You know, like it just kind of it's taken what what already exists here and then improved it from the inside. And uh, uh, that's I appreciate that about the city. It's not it, it's not so gentrified that you know it, it loses its identity or loses some sense of character. That uh, it, it's really uh, you kind of it, it's not some trying to be something it's not for for lack of a better phrase. Let's take a quick break. Want to let you know today's show is supported by Pulse Cellular. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, and no overage fees. One line for $65 or four lines for just $45 each. That includes hotspot, Wi-Fi calling and up to 50 gigs per line. And for all you travelers out there, Pulse has you covered in Canada and Mexico, plus text and data in over 210 countries worldwide, all with the best phones, or you can bring your own. That's pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. One of the things that I really, I think when I lived here all these years that I took for granted about Buffalo and I didn't really discover it until... I spent the last few years being down in Florida is a sense of community in Buffalo. Like it doesn't matter West side, East side, South Buffalo, Orchard Park, whatever community you're in, it feels like a community now place. And I'm, this isn't a last Florida podcast. Um, so I'm not going to sit there and, and just say bad things about Florida because obviously Florida can be very beautiful and there's a lot of wonderful things about Florida, but the people down there, it's easy to fit in, but it's also, easy to kind of keep to yourself. Whereas here, it's one of these places, like for an example, if we came here, if we're at Macy's um, having chicken wings tonight, if we came here once a week, every week for the whole year, we would get to know so many different people that you would see all the time. In Florida, I could go to the same diner every week. I'll never see the same person twice because they don't go to the same diners and the same things. You know what I mean? And I mean, part of that's good, but part of that sucks. I, th- I think that Buffalo has this real strong sense of community, and this is unlike something that I've seen. In, and again, now I haven't lived in that many other places, but the sense of community here and the people are, are just passionate. And that sometimes can be a bad thing too, but it, this is a real sense of community here. And I don't know how you feel about that. Again, um, being in California, I don't know what it was like growing up out there, but do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, it's kind of, it will, from what I can tell, people from who live in Buffalo are are generally from Buffalo. Right. Like not to say people don't leave, but people aren't coming into Buffalo. Like I, I think I'm pretty, I'm a pretty rare case right. yes. here, but, um, and so, you know, the people who have grown up here, they've lived here damn near their whole lives. Right. Uh, these establishments, these restaurants have all been here for, you know, or not all, but a lot of them have been here for a significant amount of time. So it's stuff that you grew up on. Right. And you don't want to stop. Like I, I get that concept. And and I, I get that I get that here uh more than Charlotte. Charlotte is a rapidly gentrified yeah. city. Yep. Rapidly gentrifying city. Um and so that I think it's still developing an identity. It's a fun place to be, don't get me wrong. I love Charlotte. It's still developing what exactly it is. Um Greenville kind of baby gentrification, you know, like so you're it's still small. It's not so huge that it feels like a big city, but I think it's trying to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's trying to be a big, small city or whatever you want to call it, a small, big city. 
but like the little towns like Lake Havasu City I lived in, that locals, you're going to the same spots over and over and over again. Same with Seguin, Texas. You're going to the same joints over and over and because uh, you're just you're, you're proud of what you grew up on. You're 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 nostalgic. It might be part of the reason why you don't want to leave because you say I got a good thing going here. Yeah. Why ruin it? Why 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 cut it short? Mm-hmm. And same thing goes with you know the restaurants that you choose to to patronize. Are you one of those guys when it comes to eating? You want to go to the same two or three places that you know <laughs> you're gonna like all the time, or are you the kind of guy that is always constantly wanting to go somewhere new? Like one of these things that I hate about the chicken wing process that I have right now, and, and I've been this is uh I think I've been sixty one places, not seventy five by the way. I'm not that bad. <laughs> Give me some credit, dude. But then in all seriousness, like here's an example. I love Macy's Pizzeria for wings. They're phenomenal. But sometimes I don't come here because I got to go try somewhere new that might end up sucking. But some people would rather go experience new places, and some people just want to go to their same couple spots that they like. Where do you fall when it comes to that? Uh, I'm a wheelhouse kind of guy, man. Yeah. Like I, I, I find somewhere I like, and I will beat it to death, man. I, I Since the first time I got wings here, see, I went to... Elmo's once and mm. I went to Duff's once and I haven't had wings anywhere else since. Oh, really? Yeah. It's like why I found my spot. Like yeah. I, found, I found it. Like I said before, like everybody's got their little, their, their little corners, their little, their little wheelhouses and, 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 and restaurants they like to visit over and over again that they think are, are elite, that they think are the best. I found my, I found my best man. Like I, I found my gold medal. I found my MVP. Like I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not going to give somebody else the ball now. That's and it's and by the way, this is on Genesee Street in Chicktawaga. It's not that you live that far away, but you're like down near Allentown. That's a good twenty minute drive or so. So that does say something about this place that you're taking. The, again, not a crazy long ride, but it's long enough. Gabriel's Gate, I'm sure, is a lot closer. Now you talked about them, right? Uh, yeah, it's fan, it is, but the point that you're coming out here for these tells you all you need to know about this place. Yeah, Gabe's Gate, and it's it's walkable. I have I've been I've been four times. Yeah. I think three or four times. Like it's it's past the threshold now. It's just not. It doesn't do it for me. I'm not saying they're bad wings. It doesn't do it for, for me personally. And um, that's another thing. But just my area of my area of town. I don't think I have a lot of places to go eat. Um, I'm I'm pretty close to. I think it's Fat Bob Smokehouse. I've had that mac and cheese, and that was pretty good. Yeah, I've never had um, that near Gabe's Gate. But other than that, there's not like a whole lot of options. So it's like. I'm going to have to go somewhere. I might as well go somewhere that I know I'm going to love. I'm not going to leave my house for nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a good point. So when it comes to Bills fans, obviously Buffalo Bills fans are, if you want to be nice, we'll call them passionate. If you want to be a little bit insulting, we could say they're like borderline crazy. But I'll say this. When you joined ESPN.com, and we've had this conversation, you replaced Mike Rodak. We're not going to talk about you and Mike Rodak before that, because it was very obvious, Mike was a different cat than you are, okay? I like Mike. Mike didn't really care too much about what Bill's fans thought. He did his job. I, and I, we talked about this before we started taping. I knew when you got hired after talking to you once, I could just tell by your personality. You're, you're kind of a chill dude, man. And you're, you're accessible and that you're going to get along with people as long as they don't you know, cross you and treat you like shit. You're going to be nice to them, too. What has been your relationship to this point anyway from what you could tell with Bills fans? And again, it's not about comparing your relationship with fans as opposed to Mike Rodak because they're just two completely 
different things and you have two completely different philosophies on not how you cover the team, but you know, how you're going to be on Twitter and be, you're, you're much more accessible. They're not just Mike Rodak. You're, you're one of the more accessible guys who covers the bills period on Twitter. What, what's your, uh, your take on bills fans and how they've treated you so far your first year covering the team? Yeah. And I, I think I said it before. I think I said it back in, in June or July that, uh, I, I talk back. Like I, I'm not a robot. I'm not a news churning machine. I'm right. a real person that that likes likes to interact. And so, uh, I tell you what, man. If I ever need a, I ever need like a little confidence boost. If I'm ever, ever feeling low, I just got to go look at the the replies to any given story. These people are so so supportive, and I I can appreciate that. Um, they they're obviously passionate. They care. Uh, I don't think there's a time of day you can post something and they won't gobble it up. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I can appreciate the, I can appreciate the caring. I think anybody, any writer that covers a team would, that's all we would want is just a reader base, a fan base that cares about the subject matter. Cause if they don't care, then what are we working to, what are we up to two in the morning, you know, writing for and researching for, but, uh, they've been, they've been a great time and these, uh, the, the, like get the tables, all the that that, uh, yeah. <laughs> that malarkey, man. I love that stuff, man. I think even Jordan Phillips had a sweatshirt on last night. That I swear, if I if I didn't have to be objective, I would wear it every day. It was just one folding table, and it said, "Get the tables on it." Like, <laughs> they're such a fun fan base, man. And uh, I'm just I'm glad that uh, I'm glad I get to be here for this kind of revolution in in in, in Bills football. I li- I'm glad I get to be here for this this period of transition where winning is starting to become an expectation and this uh this like clairvoyant pessimism starts to kind of fade out and people stop looking for what's going to go wrong and start yeah like i loved uh i think it was greg greg thompson with with cover one had a, a hilarious tweet the other other day about the timeline of bills fans like it's like beginning of the year oh six and ten i think we could do better than that and then middle of the season huh i think this team should make the playoffs and then up to last week Wow, this garbage team is never going to win a Super Bowl or something like that. Like it's like, uh, it, it it's you can see slowly but surely the expectations for for the Bills starting to rise as people realize, oh hold on, yeah we beat some bad teams, but that doesn't mean that team is also bad. Right. So uh, or it doesn't mean the Bills are also bad. I think one of the one of the um, things that I respect about you is you made a conscious effort pretty much from, from the first day you came into Buffalo that. All right, so I'm not going to only appear on mainstream stuff. Like, I reached out to you to do the podcast, and without any questions asked, you said, all right, I'll do it. I saw you on Trainwreck Sports last week. You did a show with them. Pretty much, it's not just the mainstream news outlets that a guy who works for ESPN.com, you know, some people might only want to do those. It seems like if pretty much anyone reaches out to you to do something, within reason anyway, that you're always down to do it. I just feel like guys like you have this ability to connect with fans more than others do, and in today's day and age, more than ever, I think that's really important because the the lost, the days of being an old school sports writer who really don't have any interaction with the fans and just write and do nothing else, those days are pretty much dead now. Yeah, it's not, and that's not fun for me. Like, I love what I do, don't get me wrong, and if I, if, like, I was never allowed to use Twitter again, this would still be a great job, don't get me wrong, but, like, there's hundreds of, uh, there's hundreds of reporters who either don't like Twitter or use it for the bare bones minimum. And I'm not saying I'm not being critical of that. It's just like, I felt like it's being done so often that, uh, 
let me add some give some other reason for you to follow my my thoughts and for you to follow my 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 account like what are you getting different from at marcel lj than you are from at sports reporter 111 you know what i mean like hey like i don't want to be i don't want to just turn content out and say like play by play of the game xyz happened here's a story i said here's what the coach said i like i want to add perspective i want to crack jokes i'm (laughs) I, i just sit there like it's it's too it's football man like we're watching football for a living like it, it's not it's not so serious that we we got to be there and be robots so I, I think everybody on this beat does a pretty good job of influence or infusing some personality into them to where you are there's like a little something for for every kind of fan like depending on what you're looking for in a reporter you can find it on the bills beat and uh i think that's just that's so unique for a market this size like this isn't a huge city it's not, it's not a huge media market but uh there are significantly more reporters on this beat than there were on the panthers beat and uh so what to the point where like you kind of you don't get that kind of variety They're excellent writers over there but you don't get the variety that you do here and i think uh that's something i hope that fans don't take for granted because this is just it's a hell of an environment to work in it's a hell of an environment i think to be a sports fan in when it comes to the media that you're working with your colleagues and I'm assuming that you're continuing to develop relationships with them. Again, this is your first season covering a team. But even going back when I had you on the show last, that was, I think, maybe the second or third week of the season. So it's been a, at least three months. You, I'm sure it's still a process where you're getting to know some of the guys and the women and they're getting to know more about you. But I'm going to assume, knowing a lot of these Buffalo sports media people myself, that the relationships have been good and that you're enjoying your time spending it with them. Oh, absolutely, man. That's uh, It's just... I've learned. I learned from from asking. I learned from observing. Uh, I they've just, either whether it's directly or indirectly have all taught me how to do this job at a high level. And uh, I mean, I could always get better, but man, like you really can't let your guard down here because I mean, there have been weeks where you know there have been weeks where I put out three stories. There have been weeks where I put out one, and uh, I've had people say, you know, hey. The athletics got XYZ up right now. Like, where's some more content? Like, where are you? They, you can't really, you can't start sleeping on this beat. Like, it really makes you, they really make you work. And uh, I just, I love being in that kind of environment where it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's competitive because people just eat up every scrap of information that uh, we're not killing each other over, over clicks and exclusivity and whatnot. Like, I'm not over here trying to box people out if I've got a, a one-on-one with somebody or, or sneak around. It's uh, we all help each other out, man. And uh, I think that's I think that's important. This industry doesn't have to be cutthroat, man. This is not New York City. This is not Chicago. This is not Philadelphia. Like it's not a market that needs to be known for, you know, just being so kind of jaded here. Like we don't we don't have to bring that kind of energy into the into the media room. And I, I don't think we do here. Let's talk Buffalo Bills for a few minutes. I can't. I mean, we got to spend at least a couple <laughs> minutes here. Talking about the Buffalo Bills, that is ultimately what you do for a living. I want to ask you this, okay? So, again, we're taping this late Sunday night. Don't know at the time if the Chiefs, they're playing Chicago, how that game's going to turn out. And it's still going to come down to Week 17 anyway. So the Bills are playing Houston or Kansas City. We know that. But if you're a Buffalo Bills fan right now, again, take the objectivity out because you're a reporter and your job is to cover the team. But if you're a Bills fan right now, after losing by seven, 
at New England on Saturday. How should you be feeling today? It's kind of, I mean, the theme, the constant theme is that they're around the locker room is that there are no more moral victories. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Sean McDermott would, you know, would be sick. But I think that in and of itself is is a moral victory that there this team is not looking to say, oh, we played X, Y, Z close. They're saying, no, forget that. We lost. Like, we don't think Mike, it was Micah High that said, we're not learning anything about ourselves. We know who we are. We know we're a good team. We expect to win games. I think that's, um, it, it's it's a new standard, I think, of, of, of Bill's football. I think fans should be excited about that. I think they should be appreciative of that because, uh, I mean, the past two decades have been bleak. You yeah. know, you lose by seven to the Patriots in, what, 2006 or, or one of these, one of these, pedestrian years you probably you know it's great it feels great then it's worth you know go out to the airport and cheer everybody like that's this is awesome this is our super bowl uh but now it's more like damn we could have had them right you know it's not like you they didn't luck into it this is two this is back-to-back one score losses i'm not sure when the last time that happened um in the tom brady era but my god the, the guy's 32 and 3 against the bills and I think one of them, he, he left. He got not either was subbed out at halftime or he didn't even play the entire game. So really 31 and 1, 30, or 32 and 1, 32 and 2. Uh, this is this, it's a new, it's a new era of, of Bill's football, man. I think it's a sustainable, it's a sustainable model of, uh, sustainable model for success here with the, with the QB on a rookie deal, uh, with young core player, young core players at, the marquee positions. You've got a left tackle. You have a franchise left tackle. You have a, um, you've got a, a franchise middle linebacker. You've got a franchise cornerback. Um, Ed Oliver's looking like a, an anchor on the defensive line. Like you've got a safety tandem. Like your secondary is basically set. Um, it looks like you've got a running back of the future right now in Devin Singletary. Like you have, uh, really your, your line is bookended with, with, with Cody Ford. It's yet to be seen where exactly he's going to play. But he's going to be a starter in this league for for years to come, and uh, there's just there's so much value at every one of these positions that this window is really just opening. It's just opening. There's still additions to be made. There, there's still uh, improvements to be made and, and developing to do. But with this kind of youth, this kind of depth, and, and this kind of coaching, most importantly. And the salary cap space they're going to have, and the draft picks that they that yeah. they have, man. Like, there's not a lot to complain about in the future. I, I I know, I mean, I grew up a Raiders fan, man. I'm I know firsthand what looking to the future is like. What saying, you know, I, I know what that optimism is like. But there, this is not, you know, delirious optimism here. This is real optimism that this team is good now and can be very good next year it could be a super bowl contender next year hell they could make it this year but i think that uh, they're not sneaking up on anybody in 2020 when it comes to josh allen is it difficult in some ways to cover him as a reporter because i feel like this if i sit here and tell you that he's not a good quarterback right now and i can reference plays like him overthrowing dawson knox not once but twice in saturday's game is is, is a perfect example those are throws that you got to make he was open and he wasn't under that much duress. So I could go that route with you. Or I could say, look at that touchdown pass he threw to John Brown. Kind of like falling sideways. Threw a perfect pass. He makes a couple plays a game. You know this. You covered a team that very few other quarterbacks in the league could do. You use that word conundrum. 
That's what it feels like he is to me. No matter what side of the fence you fall on, if he's good or if he's bad, what your take is, you might be right or you might be wrong. You know what I mean? Is he a difficult guy to cover or to get a read on right now? What's your take? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, with these basically four straight nationally televised games, the, the Ravens game was technically local, but it was like the marquee game in right. basically every market out there. Um, I think that the Josh, the Josh Allen debates are starting to creep back onto a national scale. And with that is bringing a lot of people who either see his numbers or, or see him at his worst, but don't really haven't been watching all season. And he's a guy and you should probably watch any player that you want to critique, but he's a guy, especially you really just have to put eyes on him because he's, he's so hard. He's so hard to critique because he wins games. And it's not, it's like, you you see the room for you see him completing I think it's fifty fifty seven fifty eight percent of his passes you see him averaging fewer than two hundred passing yards over the past uh, I believe it's eight nine weeks like none of these numbers are popping out at you but if you're watching you know that in the fourth quarter this guy is just a different he's a different beast and the stats actually back back that up uh, he, he's got the sixth best uh, passer rating in the NFL in the fourth quarter. His eight to zero touchdown to interception ratio is the best in the league. I mean, you can't get better than eight. You can't get better than zero on the in the interception side. He just he finds a way to get it done when the game is on the line, and you can't really quantify that. He's just got, uh, as they say, he's got it, and and so you see that factor. You see the ability to perform when the game is on the line, and you can't help but say like, okay, like the ability is there. Um, he is running out of time to, to call himself inexperienced. Uh, no, he's 23, 24, second year, didn't play big time college football. So he's really only got 20 or so real, real starts. And, mm -hmm. uh, so he is figuring it out, but this is probably the last year that you can brush aside slow reads or brush aside a lack of anticipation for, for his receivers getting open, uh, starting in year three, I think it's, it's probably time to see what Josh Allen is it's it's time to stop looking at him as as this is what he how good he can be you need to start knocking on that ceiling in year three and part of that's on the front office uh they could they could throw some more weapons around him they can make his life a little easier but uh I think if you just if you watch him if you don't watch the stats if you watch him you'll be able to see that no he's not a he's not a final product yet he, he has his pretty obvious flaws but uh, I've always appreciated his ability to recognize what he needs to do, what he needs to improve on, and then doing that. Uh, he's done that consistently throughout the season. One thing that definitely impresses me about him is when he does make a mistake, and now he hasn't been throwing a lot of interceptions this half, so I can't like recite a lot of specific plays like that, but when he throws a bad pass, just makes a mistake, it seems like he doesn't come to the sideline and beat himself up too much. He doesn't let it linger in his mind too long. And you talked about this being a different culture and a different standard. One thing about being a Bills fan for all these years, and Bills fans listening obviously know this, once the, the snowball starts, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. That domino effect. The quarterback would make a big mistake, and it would just snowball from one interception into three, and then just bad drive after bad drive. He seems to be, have the mental ability to put aside a bad play or a bad series and focus and move on to the next. It seems he's doing that pretty well. What would you consider 
how far away is he from his ceiling? Obviously, the farther away he is from his ceiling, the better he eventually can become. Now, to expect him to go being like Lamar Jackson, who was so-so last year and now like unworldly this season, clear runaway MVP, that might be asking too much. But do you still think he has a lot of room for improvement? Or are we seeing an almost, like maybe we can expect him to be a little more accurate. But outside of that, what you see is probably what you're going to get with this kid. Um, You know, I, I want to see what that year two to year three jump is is like for him. Because as of right now, I mean, I think he's a definite NFL starter. But um, I, I think we're saying the same things about, you know, Marcus Mariota and, and Jameis Winston in their second year. Uh, Jared Goff, I mean, by, by in year two, was looking all worldly, right. man. And uh, now he's, eh, eh, you know, I don't know how, how close the elite Goff is. I'm not sure how close Josh Allen will be to being one of the NFL's truly elite quarterbacks. I don't know if he's going to be in that tier with Mahomes, with uh, with Deshaun Watson, with uh, it's looking like Lamar Jackson, if he continues at this rate, uh, with the Russell Wilsons of the world. The, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. But there's a tier under that that is still full of good quarterbacks, man. Like, I think that uh, I think that's where his ceiling is right now, as far as what I can say. I'm not a true, I'm not an evaluator of talent like a, like a Brandon Bean is or like, like Dan Morgan or, or, or like any of them are in that in that front office, but uh, he looks like a guy who can win teams games. He's not just he's not an Alex Smith. You're not just gonna go out there and survive with him. I think you can go win games with Josh Allen, um, and and you started to see this offense start you know click and gel as all these new starters come together. Uh, I I think like I said before, there's some pieces that you can add. Um, Devin Singletary. Once upon a time, was looking like the was looking like the the scat back to to Frank Gore's between the tackle, you know, the yeah. lightning. I think Devin Singletary's the thunder man. I don't yeah. think he's the lightning. I think he he's a guy he can go between the tackles. He breaks tackles. He make that first guy is not bringing him down. Yeah. Whether he just whiffs or he breaks out of it, he he is good for four yards per carry. You need that. What they don't have is that guy who can take the little crease and turn it into. 60 70 yard touchdown like Devin Singletary is a he's had some big runs he's had some big plays he's not a he's not 4-4 you know kind of guy he's not dusting a defender uh even still at the end of each run you'll you'll see him as defenders they'll catch him from behind yeah but uh good field vision I think you can add another running back um I don't think Travis Etienne falls to them in the second round but if he does Somehow, you never know in the draft season. A guy like that, who's just a home run hitter, uh, would be great. Uh, a big threat, a big target at receiver, I think is good. Uh, John Brown is a w- number one receiver. Like I was going to ask you that next. Flat out. Like I, I've been saying it all year. Um, I said before the season that Bo, I said before the season that he was going to set a new career high in receiving yards, and he did that like two games ago, or with with what three, four games to spare in the year, in an offense that's. 27th in the league in pass attempts per game. Uh, he's putting up a, a more than respectable line. Cole Beasley is putting up a, a excellent line that nobody is talking about. Uh, you know, he's a 100-target kind of guy. And uh, people saying, you know, he's dropped more balls than he has in the past. He's never seen 100 targets in a season yeah. before, man. And and he's, he's still on the cusp of being the number two option in the 27th-ranked uh, passing offense in terms of attempts per game. He's the number two option. He's still seeing 100 targets, and he's still, 
you know, within reach of career highs in every statistical category. And so like they they've got they've got a foundation there. They could use a guy like a like a T. Higgins of the world or, you know, what everybody expects Duke Williams to be, who's more of a who's more of a catch radius type of person, a 50 50 type of person. Uh, John Brown's the number one receiver. The 50 50 stuff's not necessarily his his game. He gets open. He creates separation. He's not a guy who, if somebody's on his hip, is usually going to to outmuscle you. And that's once again not an indictment against him. Just not really, not his game. But yeah. uh, you're a little off track here. There, you you add weapons around Josh Allen. I think uh, I think this is a guy who who can go out there and he can win you, you know, games consistently throughout throughout his career. And uh, just if for no other reason, because he's got that he's got that clutch gene, man. Not everybody has it, but he's got that. He's a gamer, man. One of these things, and again, it represents a kind of a change in the culture and the standard, which you alluded to, is that we're going into week 17 right now, and this is your first year covering the Bills, but, you know, perennially, I would have you on this podcast, and we'd be spending our entire time talking about draft prospects, off-season acquisitions, who they might cut. I mean, I have plenty of questions I could ask you right now about who do you think they're going to re-sign, and who should they target in free agency? But you know what, man? We still got a football season. I'll have you on in the offseason for that. My point being is in the past years, that's what we would be talking about today because the season would be over. It's not. Now we're going to week 17. We know the Bills are in the playoffs. We know they're locked into the five. We don't know if they're playing Houston or Kansas City. It's going to be one of those two teams. You're not, by the time people are listening to this, which will be out either late Monday or first thing Tuesday, I'm sure Sean McDermott's not going to reveal what his plan is going to be for Sunday. What do you think? it's going to be for Sunday. And if you were John McDermott in charge of this roster right now, how would you approach Sunday's game? Who would you definitely sit on Sunday if it was up to you, if it was your call? Um, you know, there's uh, there's been a lot of talk that, uh, you know, there's there's still got to be 46 active players. You can't sit every starter. Yeah, I get that. But uh, it's, it's more of a semantics thing, man. It, it's week 17. Uh, win or lose, you're, you're, you're the five seed. Like that's it. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I get, I get, finishing the season on a strong note, but uh, if this culture is as strong as you have been preaching it, and this is your your message has been resonating like you want it to, then your reserves should be able to finish a game strong, just like your starters will. Maybe they're not as as talented. Maybe they're not as effective. They can still play smart assignment football. The Jets are not a well coached team. It is a very winnable game, even with your backups. But uh, I, I would expect, you know, limited snaps for, for Josh Allen, for starters. Like, let's be smart here. Um, you're you're going to feel a lot dumber if you go all out with your starting quarterback in a meaningless game and he gets hurt than you will if your backup gets blown out by the Jets. So, you know, be smart there. Um, I think uh, I, I, I think you sit or limited snaps for, for Jerry Hughes, uh, Tredavious White as well, Hyde and Poyer as well. Um, Gore probably just doesn't play. I, I might not even activate Frank Gore. I, I, I might activate TJ Yeldon for this game. Yeah. Uh, limited snaps on the offensive line, or at least more of a rotate, a lot more of a rotation. Um, Tremaine Edmonds as well. I mean, you could just name your starter. I, I would probably, I'd play Ed Oliver. Um, I'd continue to play, to play Jordan Phillips and Shaq Lawson as well. Um, uh, and, uh, not so much. I mean, you you want to rotate Daryl Johnson in there as well and, and start, you know, allowing him to get some game reps and some game experience. But uh, 
you know, I don't know. I see, I see, I would see Sean McDermott's side if he comes out and says, you know, resting your starters is not the mentality that we have right now. Like, we haven't been doing this long enough to, we haven't been a perennial contender long enough to, to be able to just take weeks off, essentially. Like, I would, I wouldn't be shocked if Sean McDermott comes out and says something of that sort, but I would still be, I would be very surprised if Josh Allen is out there playing even 30% of, of offensive snaps. And it's just for what, you know, for, for what he is, he's proven what he's proven. Uh, let him go out there, get some run against his buddy, Sam and get him back on the sideline, man. I would say while there's no moral victories to lose into New England by seven, the one takeaway I think that could be spun is that they know between losing to Baltimore by one score and losing to New England by one score that they could play with these teams. And maybe even if they lose against the Jets with their backups, I don't think that's going to have any kind of mental effect. Some people might say, well, you lost three of your last four going in the playoffs if you lose to the Jets. But I think the fact that they did play New England as good as they did, maybe that gives them a little more confidence and not that that won't be a factor. One of the last things I wanted to ask you is this. I would be guessing, people listening would be guessing, you're one of those guys who, because you cover the team, you're in that locker room, you're developing relationships with these players, or if nothing else, you're around them a lot. Not just on the field, in the locker room, talking to these guys. Do you get a sense that this team, it's not just talk, it's not just a quote, that when they think that they can win the playoffs, like they're going into the playoffs actually thinking we legitimately could beat whoever we play. Like in 2017, I think the way the Bills got into the playoffs, ending a 17-year drought, I feel, now I'm not saying that they didn't go on and try to win the game or they didn't think they had a chance to beat Jacksonville, but I feel like they kind of felt like, all right, we made the playoffs, we broke the drought, let's just get out there and see what happens. This year, it kind of feels to me, and you would know this better, that's why I want you to speak on this, that this is a football team in that locker room to a man, they think they could go to Houston or they think they can go to Kansas City and, and win that game. Yeah, well, listen, listen. Your thing, something that I think Bills fans need to start remembering. Fans, you might have been a fan of this team since 1968. It doesn't, whatever. You know, what I mean, you, you might have been a fan for a while, but Jerry Hughes, Reed Ferguson, uh, Stephen Hauska, and Shaq Lawson. Uh, I, I might be forgetting one, but I believe it's those four. Those are the only players on this team that were on the bills before McDermott and Bean got here. Crazy. Technically, technically Lee Smith, but he took some time away. Right, That's but crazy. He is the, those are the only players on this roster that are, that's a 53 men. That's four. Nuts. We're here. So while the fan base's standard for this team might be, okay, this has been a perennial loser. We haven't been here before the people who got here in 2017 and later, all they know are playoff berths. It, guys like Deion Dawkins, like that, uh, like Trey White, two. That's two births in three years. Yeah, that guys, even the second year players like Josh, like like Taron Johnson, like uh, this is now, you know, half of the time that you've been in the league, you've been a playoff team. They don't know the standard of Buffalo football. Like this is their standard of Buffalo football. Like I think that they they believe they earn this playoff right. I mean, you go in there every week. It is uh, they've got some sort of chip. They've got something. To prove every team, every locker room coach player wants to say, uh, we don't listen to the outside noise. We don't. Yes, they do. Everybody does. They're humans, yeah. too. Everybody listens to it. That's why every one of these little postgame scrums after a win is, yeah, you know, nobody picked us to win. 
You can't have it both ways. You can't say nobody picked us to win and we don't listen to outside noise. Yeah, no, right. It's a motivating factor, man. I think that they kind of relish in being the underdog. It's so like it, I think they'll do better if if uh, Vegas picks against them throughout the playoffs because I think this team is not a one and done in the wild card. I think this is a team that can go out and win a playoff game on the road. Who the hell wants to welcome the number two scoring defense in the league to their home field in the playoffs? Who cares how who what what the name on the front says? I want to finish. I got a couple Twitter questions. I put out something that you were going to be on the podcast and. Uh... A lot of these I'm not going to repeat because they'd be repeat questions. I've already asked you. We've already discussed it and talked about it. Um, There's one. Banged Up Bills wants to know, what's the one thing you just can't get used to yet in Buffalo? Is there anything you can't get used to yet? Uh, One thing I can't get used to? Like, I don't want to get used to the cold. (laughs) <laughs> uh don't get me wrong i don't want to get used to the cold um you sort of will though i don't uh i think it's the it, yeah i don't know i don't know about can't it's more of a do i really do i want to am i having a good time i don't like having to clear my damn car off <laughs> i'm a pretty i'm like a just in time type of type of person like i'm not i need to i'm working on that my time management but uh if I'm 30 minutes from Orchard Park, I'm probably leaving about 40 minutes before I have to be there. <laughs> right. It's kind of a heartbreaker when I get outside and it's like, oh, sick. There was like three inches of snow last night. And uh, <laughs> like, it's not, it's fluffy stuff, but you still got to take the time to yeah. brush it all off and it's a pain. keep the car up. Yeah, that, that stuff uh, <laughs> that gets a little old. Johnny Carey wanted to know how soon until Macy's Pizza has a Marcel special. I'll tell you what, at this at this rate, right after this show, it might be tomorrow. Uh, but bro. hey, they know me. Uh, we we all follow each other on social media. They got my number, man. Anytime they're ready, I'm ready. Let's get in the lab. Hoodie Trey, favorite road city. What's your favorite road city? Favorite road city to date? Mm-hmm. Um, I loved New York City because I love I love New York City. I, yeah. I could walk for, and I did. Like I I walked for hours just with no discernible plan, just literally looking up because everywhere you look. It's something that you've seen in a movie, in pop culture, in a book, in a magazine. It's like, oh my God, there's Grand Central Station. Oh, look, there's the Chrysler Building. Oh man, that's that's Fifth Avenue. That's Six. That's Saks Fifth. Was wow, this was this year your first time there? It was. It wasn't. Um, it was my first or second time as like a real adult, as a you know twenty one yeah. year old. Yeah. Um, that was fun. Underrated road trip city uh, it was probably Cleveland. Like I I love Cleveland, man. Yeah, I, I don't like country music, and I don't like the the ambiance of of Nashville. Uh, it was just too too much of a party, I guess. And yeah. that sounds kind of lame for a twenty seven year old to say, <laughs> but uh, I liked Cleveland, man. Cleveland's got character, and it's got a great food. Second last one here, Babushka boy wants to know who's been the most pleasant surprise for the Bills this season. The most pleasant surprise for the Bills this season. Um, hmm. I think you could probably go with any any of uh, either either Brown or and Beasley. Um, I think Brown fans, if you if they're saying you know he's going to be our number one, I think it was optimistic at best sure. to say that. Given you just based on numbers, I, I doubt many people really watched John Brown film before he got here, 
and really knew what kind of route running he was because he wasn't used as a as a true receiver. Just knew he was fast. Yeah, they just knew he was fast. He catch a deep ball, and it made sense with Josh's big arm. Yeah. But I think it's been a pleasant surprise, like how much of the route tree he he can run and uh, and how effective he is. And, and I think Deion Dawkins has been a has been excellent. Uh, like a pleasant surprise as well. I mean, he noted in himself that he took a downward turn in his, in his second year. Yeah. And that's normal because like in your first two years, either you you figure the league out or the league figures you out in some kind of order. And uh, that's why year three is so big for, for him. And I think that he's been, he's more than earned whatever money is coming his way in the future. All right, last one here. This is the perfect one to end this episode too. Scott Urbonis wants to know, this is a big question, dude. Do you get your good looks from your mom's side <laughs> or from your dad's side? Oh man, that's I'm I'm touched. First of all, I'm humbled here. <laughs> uh, that is a mixture of both. I have the most beautiful mother in the planet, and I have a incredibly handsome father. Man, them Haitian Caribbean good looks. Man, I don't know what to say, but uh, I get it from a little bit of both. Man, <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. All right, Marcel Louis JockeySPN.com. Macy's Place Pizzeria. This was a lot of fun, dude. Again, really good to meet you in person and Likewise. do this. And again, it's fun to actually talk about a team that is going places. And you're there. You're covering this team daily. Good dude. Good wings. I liked everything about this. Absolute pleasure, man. You know, it's uh, I'll probably do just about anything to to get a to get a triple order of Macy's wings. But uh, <laughs> no, nah, man, it was a pleasure finally meeting you, man. Glad you hit me up this time, man. Since you went on a whole wing tour. Last time you were in town, and I didn't hear a word of it. So uh, <laughs> I appreciate being uh, being on the list, making the cut. And I want to thank everyone out there for listening. Thank you again, Macy's Place Pizzeria. Again, haven't had their pizza yet, but I'm telling you right now, it, it, I've read good things about it, but I can vouch that these wings are literally as good as anywhere you'll get in Western New York. Thanks again for listening. New show on Friday. I'll have Reed Ferguson from the Buffalo Bills. We'll be doing a show at Sunny Reds. Talk to you soon.